the Cell Phone Junkie Podcast, episode 644 for October 14th, 2018. Google's Fall Media event showcases new phone hardware, Apple updates iOS, and CVS finally caves in and adopts Apple Pay. My name is Mickey Papillon. And I'm Joey Coppice. Brought to you each week by the Cell Phone Junkie podcast application, available now for Android and iOS for $1.99. Well, kicking off the news, a headline story this week was Google's Pixel 3 event in New York City. But before new phones, Google took some time to talk about other new hardware. First up, Google Home Hub. This is a new smart display featuring a 7-inch screen for in-home use. The Hub features the Google Assistant, of course, and a dedicated tool to help people manage their other devices, content, and accounts. The Hub uses uh, custom fabrics, features rounded corners, and comes in four different colors. Google specifically chose not to include a camera so the device could be used in bedrooms and other private spaces. Voice-based commands will let people access YouTube, play music, search for recipes, control smart home gear, and other things. The Hub is based on Android and is available for pre-order starting at $149 and will be in stores October 22nd. It seems kind of strange they wouldn't include a camera, but just without the little physical door where you can clearly see the camera is open or shut, uh, like some you know computers have those. Yeah, it seems like that's maybe a, a slight oversight, and perhaps that's a Gen two type of thing. But obviously, they're you know facing a lot of uh, criticism for uh, you know just having these t- these devices that are always on, and of course, when you've got a camera on one, it just makes people uneasy. But uh, you make a great point with that—an easy fix that they could do in the future. Uh, next up, Google announcing a Slate-style Chrome-based machine for productivity. Uh, Google says the Pixel Slate has a custom display, dual front-facing speakers, and stereo sound, custom audio algorithms create crisp highs and powerful lows. It's got an 8-megapixel front camera and 8-megapixel rear camera with tools such as portrait mode and wide-angle lens on the front for video chats. The Slate runs an all-new version of Chrome OS. The UI more closely resembles Android and is easy to use by hand. It's capable of running full-powered Linux and Android apps, and it customizes the UI based on preferences and usage patterns, surfacing apps people are likely to open. Google Assistant is more deeply integrated in Chrome OS and can be used for searching and uh, and also to dictate emails. The Slate includes Family Link, which is Google's parental feature for controlling usage around the home. Virus protection, of course, built in, and the Pixel Slate automatically uh, updates for the latest security updates. Uh, Google also created a dedicated keyboard for the Pixel Slate. It's powered uh, via a connector rather than Bluetooth. The Folio-style keyboard features rounded corners, backlit buttons, and a trackpad that can be adjusted to any angle. Google's G Suite productivity tools are baked into the platform, as well as a full version of the Chrome browser with support for extensions. Google will give people a free three-month subscription to YouTube TV with their purchase of the Slate. The base model starts at $600. The keyboard is $200. There's also a stylus that you can buy for $100. Google says all three will be available later this year. Then it was on to the phones, Google announcing two new handsets, the Google Pixel 3 and the larger Pixel 3 XL. The phones will come in sand, black, and white. And like previous generations of the Pixel line, the 3 and 3 XL are made from a combination of metal and glass. The 3 has a 5.5-inch screen and the XL a 6.3-inch screen. The phones feature improved cameras that work hand-in-hand with apps such as Google Photos and Google Lens. It includes Google's HDR Plus for capturing rich, detailed images. The phone includes Google's dedicated Pixel Visual Core for processing images and a new tool called 
top shot captures images before the user presses the shutter button in order to ensure the best shot is taken. Another feature called Super Res Zoom is used to help zoomed in shots, where Google says it merges slightly different photos to create brighter, cleaner images. The Pixel 3's night shot functionality claims to negate the need for a flash. It uses machine learning to improve low light shots and will come with the Pixel 3 and two older Pixel phones uh, within the next month. The Pixel 3 series includes a wide-angle front camera for better selfies. Other modes include portrait and autofocus, gains new functions to perform faster. The new Pixel phones run Android 9 Pie and includes a rear-mounted fingerprint reader. Google is offering YouTube Music to Pixel owners for six months for free. The phones include a cell screen function that is meant to screen calls with Google Assistant. It uses AI-based conversational tools to answer the phone and call and talk to the caller while a conversation is transcribed in real time on the screen. People can and read the transcription and pick up the call if they wish. Another tool is called Flip to Shush, which is a way to silence notifications when the device is flipped over on its face. Both devices will be available right away for pre-order and will be shipping in the next couple of weeks. In other hardware announcements, Google revealed the Pixel Stand. So this is a wireless charger for the new Pixel phones. It charges the device wirelessly, but also transforms it into a Google Home Hub-style assistant. The screen of the Pixel can be set to display the weather, notifications, photos, and more as the phone charges. It keeps the phone in listening mode, so it will always respond to the commands and also for searches and queries. It costs $79 and is available for pre-order. On the software side, Google announcing its new version of the Google Home app will reach Android and iOS devices this week. The app has been entirely redesigned for easing the process of controlling various smart home devices, such as smart light bulbs. Also, it allows all devices in the home to be visible in a single view, allowing people to control their devices without jumping between applications. It also lumps together similar devices like speakers, cameras, lights, thermostats, and others to uh, now automate quick actions for important features, such as turning on lights and viewing cameras. The app brings home control when uh, to the ability to do it while away from the home as well, so users can check on their house, adjust the thermostat, and do other things no matter where they are. Finally, Google Home allows multiple members of the family to access and control smart devices in the home, complete with voice recognition. Google built Google Assistant into its app as well, so people can tap the mic and uh, say things like dim the lights. Uh, Google Home uh, also Google hopes the Home app will improve people's control over the interactions with in-home smart products. And what if you don't like uh, the notch on the Pixel 3? Well, Google has indicated that owners will be able to effectively hide it with a software feature. People who prefer a more traditional smartphone look, Google, Google says, will be able to hide the display cutout. They didn't provide any details, and an option to hide the notch already exists in the developer settings of Android 9 Pie. It's also not clear if Google is referring to this or a separate, maybe easier way to hide the notch. Android phones from LG, uh, OnePlus, and others also allow you to hide that notch using the software. So going back to the call screening function, I was watching some old TV show and of course there's the answering machine sitting on the desk and you know the phone rings and the person standing there doesn't answer the phone and then the, the you know the person's voice starts coming over the the answering machine I'm like yeah call screening that was a thing that we used to have back then and and having the capability on your cell phone where you can see the transcription of the real time you know call screening coming in where you could then still answer the call that's quite a unique feature because that's something everybody used to do and everybody really actually liked having call screening and to to actually take this long to get it is kind of uh, amazing it's taken this long yeah and it's i you know the kind of the the way that i think about it is there's a 
Um, uh, there's a kind of these, these new features that are being released and are kind of being tested out, um, because you've got some different types of, of functionality available with AI now. And, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see kind of what sticks and what doesn't. I mean, there are in both AI and also virtual reality, these kind of, um, you know, technologies that will be very enabling, but, you know, it's kind of proof of concept in these first couple of versions. The, uh, the, the first thing that I've seen that it's been just absolutely fascinating from a VR perspective um, is um, is the measurement tool on uh, the iPhone, which I think is absolutely fantastic. I used it this week where you can measure something that, you know, I never carry a tape measure around, but it kind of another thing it replaces. You don't have to carry something around. Yeah. And I measured an opening in kind of a really obscure spot where I couldn't even reach it uh, effectively. I, I did eventually, but I was able to, to snap the pictures at, at crazy angles and get measurements. And it told me it was 16 inches and it told me it was exactly 16 inches. I, oh, I, there's no way it's that. And I measured it and it was exactly 16 inches with the tape measure and I, with the, with kind of poor lighting as well. So it was very stunning. I, mine was a, a, a wall. Uh, I was mounting a, a kind of a camera that was, you know, providing a, a webcam type of view and it would have to mount it in a way that was to make it, you know, so that it, it fit over a wall. And, um, I needed to know the exact height of that wall. So I knew what, you know, the height of the pole that I was going to need to mount the camera above it. Uh, but of course I was, it's on, was on top of a roof. And so I was not easily able to get over to the area to do it. And so I just pulled out the phone and literally just ran the thing up and then took us, you can take a screenshot of it once you do it. Uh, and then marked it up because I was also trying to point out where the electricity was and stuff like that. So it was very, and you know, all from your phone, it's amazing that you can do this stuff, but, um, you know, back to this idea of, uh, of having somebody, you know, an AI, conversation uh happen with somebody and then it transcribes it onto the phone and then you can pick it up is like super futuristic right i mean to to not have to talk to the person um you know and to understand what they're saying so um you know there's a number of times i would love to you know have that happen where you're i'm assuming you can interact with the phone as well if once it's transcribing and it's like you know click to confirm your appointment or something like that um as an example but uh yeah good uh you know good to see these new phones this is kind of how this uh rollout goes where you've got the new iPhones that come out and then a couple of weeks later you've got the new you know Google phones uh, that come out as well uh, it just kind of seems like this is going to be the the future of, of what happens on, on both sides of that uh, uh, you know from both manufacturers so uh, it's a lot of stuff uh, a lot more of course to come with these uh, I'm sure from uh, you know the users as they get them uh, but I'm pretty excited to see that uh, these they look like very solid upgrades and for those that were looking to upgrade either from a pixel 2 that they got last year or maybe an older pixel one uh this does again seem like a very worthy and solid upgrade moving on metro by t-mobile will offer 5g service to customers at the same time t-mobile rolls out 5g to its postpaid subscribers they say when we talk about 5g for all it's not just nationwide 5g service but it's all shades of t-mobile magenta and purple said neville ray the chief uh, technology officer for t-mobile t-mobile says it will launch 5g in 30 markets during the first half of 2019 and both t-mobile and metro will be able to access the faster speeds and lower latency uh, also announced last week, Metro's $40 plan doubles the amount of high-speed data to 10 gigs a month. The new $50 plan allows for unlimited data and includes Google One online cloud storage, which is, of course, Android only. Uh, the $60 plan includes unlimited data, Google One, and Amazon Prime. T-Mobile says Metro customers' data is prioritized below that of T-Mobile customers when the network is congested. And on all plans, customers who consume more than 35 gigs per month may notice reduced speeds due to deprioritization. In device 
news, Asus says U.S. consumers will be able to pre-order the ROG phone starting on October 18th. It costs $900 and the 128 gig version for that version and $1,099 for the 15 Oh boy, 512 gig version. Asus also announcing pricing for the ROG phone's uh, number of accessories. So there's a desk dock, $230 for that. Twin view dock at $400. A game vice controller, $90. And a professional dock for $330. You can also get a case for the phone for $60, uh, though they're giving fans a chance to get a free case when they order one for the first 50 people who pre-order the phone from either Amazon or Microsoft. Also, there's uh, the dedicated gaming device, or it is a dedicated gaming device, so it's got an overclocked Snapdragon 845 processor, 8 gigs of RAM, an Adreno 630 GPU, and it's a vented copper cooling panel in order to control the thermals. The ROG has a 6-inch full HD AMOLED screen with a 90 hertz refresh rate, as well as a 10,000 to 1 contrast ratio and a discrete imaging chip for HDR playback. Other features include 64-bit stereo speakers, DTS headphones with 7.1 virtual surround, a 4,000 milliamp hour battery, and a 12 megapixel camera. People will also be able to see the phone in public at an event that will be held on October 18th in New York City. Asus said the accessories will ship in the fourth quarter. Didn't say, though, when the phone itself would be reaching consumers. And then Razer on Thursday announcing the Razer Phone 2. This is a follow-up to the gaming device that it launched last year. It carries forward the same basic design but upgrades the specs and performance. It's got the same 5.7-inch quad HD IGZO screen with a 120 hertz refresh rate but improved the brightness by 50%. The phone is powered by a Snapdragon 845 processor at 2.8 gigahertz, 8 gigs of RAM, and what Razer calls vapor cooling to help control the thermals. Keeping the heat down leads to an improved performance of course. It also adopts a pair of Sony IMX sensors for the camera. The main camera has got a wide field of view, a 12 megapixel sensor at f1.75 in OIS, while the sensor is at f2. Uh, the secondary camera uh, with the secondary camera, that is, has a telephoto lens of 12 megapixels and a sensor at f2.6. The phone can capture full HD video on 120 frames per second slow motion. The front camera has got the sensor of an f2, and it's an 8 megapixel. Uh, Razer also has illuminated chroma to the rear of the device, allowing owners to take full advantage of presets to adjust the light however they wish. The phone has a 4,000 milliamp hour battery with rapid charging and wireless charging as well. It's rated for IP67 against dust and water. Fingerprint reader located on the right edge. Front-facing stereo speakers are powered by 64-bit DAC and support for Dolby Atmos. Razer also took out the headphone jack but has included a DAC-assisted USB-C to 3.5 millimeter adapter in the box. It runs Android uh, 8.1 and it's got its own launcher styled after Razer's design language. It includes a Cortex mobile app where owners can find the latest games. The Razer Phone 2 comes in either black, satin, or black mirror. Supports most US LTE bands and can run on AT&T, T-Mobile, and Verizon. It's available for pre-order from Razer for $799. Also on Thursday, Samsung announcing the Galaxy A9. This is a mid-range device and among the first to include a four-camera array on the rear panel. Standout features of this camera includes a wide telephoto and normal lenses as well as a depth-of-field camera. The wide-angle lens has an 8-megapixel sensor at f2.4 and 2 times optical zoom for a telephoto and a 10-megapixel sensor at f2.4. The main camera, 24-megapixel sensor at f1.7, and a depth camera has a 5-megapixel sensor at f2.2. Samsung says these cameras allow people to flex their creative muscles with a such software such as scene optimizer, portrait mode, 
and others. The front camera is a 24 megapixel sensor and the screen is 6.3 inches, full HD plus AMOLED. It's got an octa-core processor, 6 or 8 gigs of RAM, 64 gigs of storage, and support for memory cards up to 512 gigs. So other specs include a 3800 milliamp hour battery, fingerprint reader, NFC, and Samsung Pay, as well as dual band Wi-Fi, GPS, Bluetooth 5, and Cat9 LTE. Runs Android 8 Oreo, includes Bixby and Samsung Health, and will be hitting uh, select markets in November, though pricing was not disclosed. Now, this makes a lot of sense. Uh, we heard um, a couple of weeks ago from Samsung where they said we were they were going to be releasing the latest uh, features from a hardware perspective on their mid-range devices. Well, here we are, the Galaxy A9, the kind of the squarely in the middle device with these four cameras. So we'll be interesting to see how they take advantage of those, how people get to use those. And uh, then I'm sure we'll see those on their flagship hardware in the next generation. But crazy to think about four cameras on the back of a device. Uh, these are very sophisticated pieces of hardware. And uh, being able to, to do all this kind of creative stuff on here is uh, pretty exciting from a photography perspective. Well, Samsung's upcoming foldable phone will perform like a tablet when unfolded and like a phone when folded. This according to Mobile Chief J.D. Co. Uh, when the tablet, conf in con ta tablet configuration, the device will support side-by-side -side multitasking for power users. They say when we deliver a foldable phone, it has to be really meaningful to our customers uh, at uh, said Co. at the recent launch of the Galaxy A9. Co. believes the product will have staying power and doesn't think it'll be a gimmick or vanish when it reaches the market. He hinted uh, that the device would be arriving this year, it is possible Samsung will use its upcoming developer conference in November as a launch point for the device. In Samsung, or excuse me, software news, first up on uh, from the Apple front, uh, Apple on Monday made iOS 12.0.1 available to iPhones and iPads. This is the first public update since Apple released uh, iOS 12 last month, and the goal of the update is to resolve performance issues and squash bugs that were part of the initial release. 12.0.1 uh, takes care of a problem that prevented some iPhone 10 devices from charging properly via the lightning port. It also resolves a problem that caused the iPhone 10s devices to join 2.4 gigahertz Wi-Fi networks instead of 5 gigahertz networks. It also fixes an issue that made Bluetooth unavailable and a problem that prevented subtitles from appearing in some apps. It also restores an original the original position of the period question mark one two three key on the iPad keyboard, which had been switched for the emoji key. 12.0.1 is free to download from Apple. Right. And that last setting I'm glad to change because after I don't know how many years, uh six some years of the iPad, they just swapped this button location around. So every single time I wanted to add some numbers or characters, it I hit the emoji key instead of the you know numeric keypad key. And Luckily, they put that back to the where uh, to the way it was. Yeah, I was. Uh, I, I I never really even realized it until you mentioned it, um, because of course I've got a hardware keyboard that I use. But um, you know, it's uh, why you would change something like that, especially when you're you know you've got your users so used to it after what has it been seven years of iPads and eight years, and now we're just making that change kind of arbitrary. So glad that was changed back for all the uh, iPad users out there. Uh, also, Apple and uh, Genius on Thursday announcing a new partnership, bringing new features to Apple music and also to genius genius is a crowdsourced encyclopedia of music offering information about songs including their full lyrics so moving forward apple music subscribers will be able to access genius's database of song lyrics while listening to their favorite music further apple music subscribers who visit genius will be able to play any song in full from the song's dedicated genius page in order to play the song on Genius, people will need to sign into their Apple Music account. The Apple Music-powered player is available on Genius.com and in the Genius iPhone app. 
In Android software news, Google on Monday said it plans to limit what apps are allowed to do what when and what when granted users access in Gmail accounts and SMS contacts and phone call logs. So in Gmail, Google will reduce the types of applications allowed to seek permission for Gmail data. And Google says only apps that enhance or improve email functionality will be allowed to access Gmail. Further, apps who do need access to Gmail will need to adhere to strict new rules to be subject to occasional security audits. Similarly, Google plans to limit which types of apps are follow, allowed to seek users' SMS, call, log, and contact information. So apps will need to show specific reasons for wanting this information, and only apps such as the default SMS and calling apps will be allowed to request such data. Also, users will be able to control this with much more granularity. And finally, Google plans to make contact inter interaction data unavailable to applications and developers. Uh, the company will make the change through the Android Contacts API over the next couple of months. Google encourages developers to review the new guidelines and update their apps accordingly. For end users, the result means apps will have less access to their data. Google has made its Waze carpool service available to a handful of states around the country. The service has been in testing in the San Francisco Bay Area since 2016 and is now available in California, Colorado, Florida, Georgia, Illinois, Indiana, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nevada, Ohio, Washington, and Wisconsin. Waze Carpool lets people find rides from nearby Waze users. People can select carpoolers based on profiles, ratings, and filters. While carpooling, Waze users are eligible for HOV lanes as and will always be guided via the fastest route. Waze also pitches the service as a way to cut down on commuting costs for riders and a way to earn gas money for drivers. The app is free to download from the iTunes App Store and Google Play Store. Well, Google is making a number of updates to its Google Assistant on smart displays, phones, and other products. So Pixel 3 owners will soon be able to access Google Assistant on the lock screen. Uh, this requires users to opt in, and once they do, the phone can respond to the queries uh, b without being unlocked. Google highlighted a feature for the Pixel 3 that lets people uh, call people screen calls via Google Assistant that we talked about earlier, where it answers the line and provides that transcription. Google says this tool will come to the Pixel 3 later in the month and will also be available to the original Pixel and Pixel 2 in November. Google plans to launch Duplex in uh, select cities later this year, where people in New York, Atlanta, Phoenix, and San Francisco will be able to use Duplex to automatically book restaurant reservations. All Android phones will soon be able to see a virtual snapshot of their day in Google Assistant. And with Assistant open, a quick swipe up shows event recommendations, reminders, and other personalized information throughout the day. Uh, there, through Google, though Google announced the Home Hub, its own smart dis display, Google plans to make other smart displays with the latest assistant features as well. So later this year, smart uh, smart displays will support multi-room audio by connecting with more than one in-home speaker. Smart displays will also gain access to live albums from Google Photos, visuals from Nest Hello Doorbell, and Home View for supporting and controlling in-home smart devices. All newer assistant-enabled devices will have access to digital well-being for managing screen time. Finally, Google Sys Assistant can be used to control a wider variety of gear, such as TVs, set-top boxes, smart remotes, and speakers. People will be able to power off devices as well and adjust the volume of their music and browse visual channel guides by voice. In other software news, Google has publicly acknowledged a security problem that it first discovered in March. One of the APIs that allowed people to share their account profiles with others through Google Plus was inadvertently left open for apps to access. Google says about 438 apps had the ability to access user data, including names, email addresses, occupations, gender, and age for a lengthy period of time. As far as Google knows, none of the 438 apps were aware or used the security hole for to take user data. 
Google believes the public profile data of about 50, excuse me, 500,000 people was left exposed, though not accessed. Google has patched the bug immediately, but uh, chose not to reveal the information to the public for fear of regulatory reprisal. Uh, Further, Google says Google Plus has seen a significant amount of uh, diminishing traffic with 90% of sessions lasting less than five seconds. So due to the security lapse and now low usage, Google has chosen to sunset Google Plus. Customers will have 10 months or August of 2019 through then to download their data before Google Plus is permanently turned off. Google Plus initially hoped to be the social networking alternative to Facebook. Of course, later scaled back the service with a focus on businesses and groups. CVS, one of the nation's largest retail chains, announced on Tuesday that it has given up on its own mobile payment solution in favor of industry standard mobile payments. CVS now accepts contactless payments using Apple Pay, Google Pay, and Samsung Pay at all locations. It's among the last major national chain that uh, is adopting NFC for payment platforms. The company will retire its CVS Pay application on October 15th. CVS previously accepted Apple Pay but disabled support in 2014 so it could develop CVS. Pay, which then launched in 2016. Apple has announced just a few weeks ago that Apple Pay support was expanding this year to CVS, 7-Eleven, and Costco. Facebook this week providing an update to last on last month's hack that affected approximately 30 million accounts. The hackers used accounts under their control to access the tokens of approximately 400,000 users. Using automated techniques, they boosted that number to 30 million accounts, less than the 50 million originally estimated. But of those 30 million, 15 million had their name and contact details, such as phone numbers, email addresses, uh, and other pieces of information scraped. For 14 million people, the hackers stole their name, contact data, as well as Username, gender, location, relationship, religion, hometown, birthday, device types, education, work, and locations and posts in which they were tagged. And for a million people, the hackers didn't access any information. Facebook says you can check to see if your information was stolen via its online help center. The social network also plans to proactively email people and let them know what data was taken and how they might protect themselves. Facebook says the hackers did not compromise Instagram Messenger, Messenger Kids, Oculus Pages Payments, WhatsApp, or Workplace. The investigation ongoing and Facebook is cooperating. But again, a good reason to change your password and make sure you're using different passwords with your different services out there and not having something that could be stolen and then used across other sites. And in this case, token access, that will not actually do anything. Passwords have nothing to do with this particular access, which is kind of uh, frustrating because uh, they allowed their tokens to be insecure. And of course, their uh, platform to be insecure, uh, which is very frustrating. And of course, you kind of wonder why we don't have a little bit more uh, regulatory oversight over these things. And of course, a little bit stiffer penalties for uh, having these kinds of breaches in, in privacy. Yeah. And, you know, it, it seems like there's it, there's every week there's another story like this. And so it, it's not surprising. And as we talk about him, you probably hear him and go, yep, I heard about that. I know about that. Uh, but what it, it really kind of it, it proves, in, at least in my mind, this one kind of underlying thing, which is if you are, you know, OK, giving your data to any of these companies, you have to be OK with that data not being in your hands, um, not being in your control and because it's in their control. And so these are the types of situations where um, if you're putting out information that you feel is too private, don't be putting it out there. And if, if it's not okay to be stolen, what's the point? And I know, Joey, you've been, you know, kind of 
pulled off of social media or moved away from social media um, over the last couple of years. And so uh, I'm sure you just shake your head when you see these stories and go, well, I'm, I'm again, probably really glad you did this. Um, but, you know, for most people, that is either not a viable thing to do or they just they don't feel like they want to because they still get some value out of it. Right. And of course, my problem with it is, is that I can't keep any of my friends from sharing my phone number or email address with Facebook as they scrape shadow profiles on you as well. So unfortunately, Facebook probably knows more about me than, um, you know, than a lot of people because I have friends who have my contact information who has been basically stolen by Facebook or uploaded by uh, uploaded by the app after permission has been granted after they got caught uploading your contact information. So I, there's nothing I can do about it either. So it's frustrating for my information to be probably included in this data as well, even though I have not had a Facebook you know, profile for years and years now because of their crappy security and, of course, how they uh, basically kind of scrape all of their users' data, including my data that's within your, your data. Do you think that there's any, um, you know, as I, I, I hear you talk about this and I, I totally agree. And to the extent that, um, you know, I still have accounts and I still have people that will tag me. So there, there's still, um, you know, a, a trail of, you know, where I've been, the things that I've done and, and pictures of me. And in some cases, even um, my kids, which I, I, I really don't like. Um, but, you know, we, we do what we can to try and manage it. But there's again, there's only so much you can do because. To, to that point, there are people that are, you know, just using this in a very public way. And, and frankly, they don't they don't care. They don't care that their information is taken. They don't care that, uh, you know, there may be a, now a very, very, um, you know, good amount of, of data that's been built up about them. And they know somebody can, can would be able to tell, you know, the types of things that they like, the places that they're going uh, and whatnot. And, you know, for the to the extent that a, a specific person is targeted for once you know i guess say a specific um place that they were doing or thing that they were doing is, is unlikely but what it really translates to more than anything is a profile that gets built about a person that allows them to be served different ads and sold different things because of the things that they like and the the places that they are and whatnot so um it's a you know you can't do a lot about it in in some ways but um, you know, just be very, you know, diligent, at least that's how I look at it in making sure that what you're putting out there is not stuff that you would care about somebody, you know, seeing. I, I do enjoy from time to time, um, you know, visiting Twitter and kind of having still a, a good uh, amount of um, information or using it to, to, you know, bring in a good amount of information, read, read stuff. But it doesn't um, I, I don't find myself ever really posting on it except for, you know, stuff related to the show. And, and so it's, it, it, I see little, uh, less value than I used to in it. It's more of a, I just use it for reading information and staying on top of things. Or if I'm looking for, to, to find a specific, you know, something that's happened, it's a good way to find out kind of breaking news because you can search for something on there and there's, so there is still some value in it. Um, but it's, um, you know, it, again, it's, it's not something which is crazy. Cause I think about 10 years ago when Twitter was first, you know, really coming on uh, strong, uh, and Facebook for that matter too. And it was it was something that uh, we all used quite a bit. And, uh, you know, Facebook, I know, uh, has, you know, really become the the place for um, the 
I'll say the vast majority of people over 35 uh, for sharing their information. And there are other services such as Instagram, as an example. Snapchat is the other big one that are being used for people under 35. And if you're over 35, you're going, oh, okay, that's interesting. And maybe you're using it. Maybe you're not. Uh, but, you know, Facebook is um, is definitely it's got a kind of plateaued as far as its number of users and, and those that are under a certain age are just not using it like the other tranches of people. So um, but uh, either way, there's it doesn't matter whether it's Facebook or Instagram or Twitter, or any of these social media accounts, uh, you know, they are provided you know, the services provided quote unquote for free. You use it and the data that you're putting in is your payment for that use. Well, one question this week, uh, and it comes from Patrick, and it's uh, actually two questions in one, but he says, so I'm looking to get a used Pixel, Pixel 2 XL specifically. Uh, the Verizon version is cheaper, so my question is, will it work properly on AT&T, T-Mobile, and Project Fi? And also, will it have the same quick updates? Uh, second question is on Android apps like banking and games, when they ask your permission for your location, storage, access, SMS messages, does that app still have access to those even after you've logged out? So let's answer the first question. So um, you are going to see a, a, a Verizon version of the Pixel 2 XL uh, as long as it is unlocked. It, which it's a Verizon phone. So in theory, it should be. Um, it, it is going to work on AT&T, T-Mobile, and Project 5. What you may not see is as good of service on that phone as you would on a Pixel 3 device because of a different set of LTE bands that are installed on the phone. Uh, I didn't do the, I didn't, I don't have them in front of me here. I don't have the, the exact bands that are installed in it, but I do know it's got at least the basic bands for service on the networks, but it's not going to, um, you know, as an example, it doesn't have the T-Mobile 600 megahertz band, I don't think, in it. So, um, but as far as getting the same quick updates, yes, it's going to get the same, same updates on the same schedule. Um, as the other ones, it, it doesn't matter that it's a it, it's being sold by Verizon. Um, as far as the the apps, uh, you know, and getting access for the locations, um, you know, that that's something that is uh, is unfortunately they they do, especially if they're you can you can go and you can check and you can see whether or not they do. But Android, fortunately, has got some clarity on it. Yeah, and of course they do. Even if you've logged out within the within the app itself, uh, they may not use the information, but the application still has that uh, capability of whatever you've given permission for that app to do. Yeah, so it's um, your your un uninstalling of the application is the better um, you know way to uh, to make sure that it doesn't have access to it. Um, you know, this is uh, it's one of those things that um, I, again, I just. Like these different, you know, uh, say social media sites or online accounts, I, I feel a very similar, um, you know, like uh, uneasiness with the just the sheer number of applications that are out there that are a asking for the specific amount of data uh, or, or the, this, I'll say, incredible amount of data. And as we, um, you know, as we move into an era where, uh, again, a profile is trying to be built up to, uh, on you so that you can be served up ads. Uh, and, um, there are other companies out there that, you know, maybe that there's a lot, many companies are using it for very specific reasons, right? Um, you know, if your banking app is asking you for your location, you probably want to question why, if it's because you're in the application and you're trying to find the nearest ATM, well, that would be a good reason why. Um, but you, um, other than that, it doesn't, doesn't seem like it, that 
would need to know that that piece of information. Um, and so you might lose certain functionality by restricting access to that, um, you know, that, that piece of, uh, you know, that, that thing that it can't get access to. So, um, I, I just, as I think about the, the other apps that are out there that in the types of, you know, things that they're pulling in, um, you just, I, I, I quickly, you know, work through if whether or not I'm going to use an app or not based on a, um, you know, kind of that test of, does it really need that information? Um, you know, does Google voice need access to my contacts? Well, if I really want it to work properly, yeah, I should probably do that. Does it need access to my location? Probably not. I don't have it. It doesn't really have a need for that to happen. Does Google Maps um, need to have access to my location? Yeah, clearly. Does it need my contacts? Maybe. Depends on if I'm searching for my contacts to navigate to them or not. But that's not necessarily, I might want to give up that uh, that piece of functionality. Um, the very same reason I don't use Waze is because it just, it asks for way too much access to way too many things on the phone. And I just, I know it's for the, the functionality side of things, but I, to me, it just, it wasn't worth it. So I, uh, I stick with, uh, with Google maps, um, pretty much exclusively for navigation. But anyway, hopefully that answers the question, Patrick, uh, if there's anything else that, uh, uh, we can answer for you on that. Please let us know. And uh, if you have any questions for us, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, send an email to questions at the cell phone junkie.com uh, or give us a call. Uh, 650-999-0524 is the phone number and we'll get whatever you have to say on a future show. Joey, thank you very much as always for your time. We'll talk to you later. Thanks for listening. For more information about the stories you've just heard, visit us at thecellphonejunkie.com.